Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker. He is Ryan Hollins, NBA vet. You can find him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins. You can see him on ESPN and a variety of other platforms. He's a media mogul. He's a one-man media mogul these days. You can also find him on Instagram at Ryan Hollins. This is our post-NBA Finals edition. Our first, I don't know how much more we're going to talk about it. There, there's certainly the ramifications of it, but... I'll start there, Ryan. Uh, as simple as this. Did we crown the proper champion? <laughs> you got to define that a little more for me because, I mean, th- they won four games in the NBA Finals. Did so. the better team win? Did the better <laughs> I mean, team win? Got, due to circumstances, yeah. <laughs> I mean, due to the circumstances, they scored more points. The factor that I think you're alluding to is injuries. And by no means were they better with half a KD. By no means were they better with just only Clay. Mm-hmm. So there's no question there. Their proof is in the pudding. Clay Thompson had 30 points at the time. Toronto was not going to beat Golden State, even without KD, even with a hobbled DeMarcus Cousins, even with Looney with no no ribs left, okay? So uh, that team was going gonna to lose. So... Uh, there's no question there, Rick. I, I don't, I don't understand. And maybe you can help me better, Rick, because you're in the Bay Area with this. Hmm. Why there's so many Warriors haters, and there's so many people that are adamantly saying they beat them outright. The hell you did. Help, help, help me out here, Rick. Well, I will say this: they did beat them with a healthy Clay Thompson. They did beat them fair and square with a healthy Clay Thompson. KD was not part of the equation. We know how important he was to the equation. But you did have Kyle Lowry 
dealing with an injury. You had Kawhi Leonard dealing with an injury. You had Fred Van Vliet dealing with an injury. So not as catastrophic because those guys obviously were still available. Uh, I don't know that the separation uh, from a health standpoint was quite as dramatic as people are making it out to be. And if we look at the, over the course of the Warriors run, they benefited at times with injuries. Kyrie Irving in the first championship. Kevin Love not being available. Kawhi Leonard going down in, a, in an earlier series. Well, what's that have to do with right now, though? Well, it's simply if we're gonna so if we're gonna if we're gonna you're discount contradicting yourself. No, no one's saying no, that no, they not. If if we're gonna discount this you championship, are, because I'm, I'm talking about now. I, exactly, but you're you're discounting this championship based on injury. Well, then, yes. then, but we haven't been discounting the previous championships by the I Warriors, have. have we? I have. I absolutely have. Okay. When, when Kevin Love and Kyrie went down, mm-hmm. and they won. Me and you both said they didn't deserve that championship. You can't forget my words now. I Listen, that's just a fact. They were not going to beat that team, and LeBron alone. I, don't, I, I did not say that. Them. I did not say. You may have said that, and I'll and I'll I'll give I'm, you. I'm I'm absolutely on the record. That if Kyrie and Kevin Love were healthy, yes, they were not going to beat the Cavaliers that year. LeBron James alone with Trish. Listen, hold on. His starting five: Timofey Mozgov. Tristan Thompson, Matthew Delavidova, J.R. Smith, and Edmond Schumbert, okay? And mm-hmm. he almost beats them. So th- there's no questions there that they would have lost that series if Kyrie or, or Love, just one of them, one of those guys was healthy. So I'm staying consistent here, and I'm not just skewing to the Warriors' side, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things here. Number one, the value of winning a championship, however you win it, is invaluable. And the Cavaliers had that advantage going in. And that LeBron James knew what it took to win a championship. Had been on that platform and had a couple of other guys with him uh, that that also had that experience. So there is an, a, an advantage in having that intrinsic knowledge that that 2015 Cavaliers team had. I just, I am, I am reluctant to ever discount a championship for whatever reason, because you still have to go out and do it. Just like we saw in Game 6, the Raptors had to go out and find a way to beat a Warriors team that was not going to beat itself. You have to, whatever it is, whoever you put on the floor, whoever they have on the floor, you have to execute and ultimately get it done. And in the same way that the Cavaliers turned the tables or the San Antonio Spurs turned the tables on the Miami Heat, they also ultimately got it, they get it done. And I never want to discredit the team that gets it done. And that's why I won't discredit this. I also feel as if the injuries, I said it from the beginning of the year, and you can back me up on this, that the champion was going to come out of the East because the Warriors were going to slowly crumble, physically crumble. Now, I didn't expect it to be quite as dramatic and that guys were going to have injuries that were going to not only erase them from these playoffs, but from (laughs) next year. But ultimately, what happened is what we should expect from riding the same horses five years in a row and asking them to play this game the way it's played, as fast as it is with the possessions that that, that it has, and expect that physically 
you're going to have guys get through that. And if you have a guy like Clay Thompson, I saw this last year, he was breaking down. I'm like, if a guy like Clay Thompson is breaking down at the end of four years, why should I believe he's not going to break down at the end of five? That was my my whole logic in not believing that the Warriors were going on, to get bro, it done. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you going to go on record and say that Clay Thompson broke down? Yes. Without question, he broke that's down. That's absolutely false. That's that's absolutely absolutely false. This wasn't a muscle. Obviously, he he had the hamstring. But to me, this is a fluke injury where the guy lands in an improper way. Now, if he had something from conditioning, or ankles were bad, or back was getting tight, I would say, hey, he was breaking down in the terms of Clay Thompson. Now, obviously, he's not a spring chicken, but the guy falls off the rim in an awkward motion that is it never happened in his entire career and tears his ACL, that's a fluke injury, Rick. I, 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 cannot, I cannot just call that breaking down. But this and is... I know you are very – now, Rick, let, I'm going to throw this to you. Mm-hmm. I know you, you called this with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I will credit this. Mm-hmm. And you pointed strongly at Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green had one of the worst regular seasons as he's, he's had in years. Yes. But we never pointed towards Clay, Rick. So I, I do – on one side, I agree with breaking down, but I, just, I disagree when you put it towards Clay. I believe these kind of catastrophic injuries happen. They do. They can happen in a freakish way. But they're more likely to happen when you are fatigued or when you're compromising for another injury. Your ability to regain your balance. The timing in which you get to the rim. You're there. You get there a little bit slower. So there's a little bit more contact. Or you extend yourself a little bit more because you are fatigued and because your leg doesn't give you the same spring. Like every gets, everything gets thrown out, uh, thrown off. You know this. You've played fatigued. And it, when you're, when you're sharp and you are, uh, you're, you're full of energy, you can protect yourself far more easily than when you're playing tired now your balance isn't quite as good now you're a step slow now you're you're running into guys more often everything is off a little bit and as a result of everything being off you're more vulnerable to something like this happening now could it have been freakish uh, sure but i believe that when when you just get worn down physically and you're compromising for other issues that's when that's when you have injuries that you never would have expected to happen. And I just, again, you look at no KD for a while, DeMarcus in and out, Andre in and out. Who, who had to pick up a lot of that slack? Clay did. Clay had to play bigger in these last couple of games with KD out. Who tried to step up and do more? Clay did, in spite of the hamstring. He's now got a guard. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's now now it's a physically it's a different guy that he's got to guard. I just think all of that ultimately compounded itself, and now the biggest thing, Ryan, is they are in a world of hurt. I I didn't think they would be. I th- I thought the dynasty run would be over, but now you're looking at the prospect of. I'm not expecting KD to be back. And no, even if he was, even if he re-signed, you're looking at the prospect of playing without, without both Clay and KD next season, an entire season, and you have no way to spend or get requisite pieces to cover while they're out. This is, this is going to be a falling-off-the-cliff season 
as I am anticipating for the Warriors. And I, I don't say that with any joy or glee, but man, Joe Lacobs, we're light years ahead. That People are going to be throwing that back in his face all next season. And I can't, I really can't fault them for doing it because it was a presumptuous thing to say. Hey, man, the, the first thing comes to mind, you know, from hearing what you're saying, mm. I agree. The NBA's never been so much more wide open. Uh, secondly, the Lakers, if they can land AD mm-hmm. and maybe New Orleans can, maybe New Orleans now hikes up the price of AD because they know it's good, it's good, this is going to be a real type of power shift, not a baby power shift, a real power shift. Of what they can get if if, if Lakers get AD, they're going to be favorites for a championship. Now it depends how much they give away. And thirdly, Rick, remember when we were talking about Houston? Mm. Remember when we were talking about these emotional responses of their ownership and yeah. you know fire D'Antoni, yeah. everybody's on the chopping block. That's why you don't deal in emotion. Yes, that's why you don't jump to circumstances. Right? That's why you don't jump to conclusions. Houston, if they get healthy. Maybe add another piece at the mid-level exception. They would honestly, they would be favorites right now, dude. As they of right would. now, as of right now, they should be favored. You could make the argument that they should be favored in the West, you if could. not them, Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is wide open. This is where I'm not as quick to think that the Lakers are going to instantly walk through that door. If they could add AD to what they have, I'd be with you. I think I'd be with you. But the fact that they're going to have to give up a boatload of assets. They're going to have to give well, the, up well, Lonzo. Well, we'll hear this, though. Uh, uh, give up Lonzo, but the ultimate goal is, and they voiced this, and I'm glad there's some common sense to that front office. They must have heard me talk. Mm. Uh, you want to hold on to Kyle Kuzma. And the exchange here is when you get the fourth pick, and I want to know how you feel about this, in my eyes, as a, you know, if I'm putting on my GM's hat, the fourth pick is more valuable than Kyle Kuzma because the potential's there. You mm-hmm. have youth. You have a while before you have to, you know, sign an extension, and you take away the pressures of having Zion having to win now, and you go out and cash out in the draft. If not, move that pick for you know a, a, a later year. But you get a lot of wiggle room and options if you get that fourth pick from the Lakers, and that allows the Lakers to say, hey. We can hold on to Kuzma because we're going to ship the pick with Ingram and with Lonzo Ball. And might add, Lonzo Ball, prior to the injury, he didn't have a bad year. The no. guys, I don't want to just say he's a baller off the chain, but he, he, there's something, there's something there with Lonzo, man. And and a lot of people have given up, but if you really watch, uh, he's got some value. I always thought that Lonzo had the chance to be a good player. I just thought. Mm-hmm. Retiring his jersey and saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer before he played a minute was was unfair because we don't we don't appreciate what he can do now. Everybody wants to bang on him for what he isn't because he was advertised to be so sensational. And you just looked at it and you said, first, I mean, I feel the same way with Zion. We're setting the expectations way, way too high for this kid. Could he eventually grow into being a spectacular NBA player, even pot- potentially a generational player? Sure. But his his skill set right now is not uh, expansive enough for that to ultimately happen. That's not, that's not going to happen. And so it, the, the, way, the way they're talking about him 
He's supposed to lead the Pelicans to the playoffs. Well, the Pelicans may get to the playoffs in the West because everything's so jumbled. But it ain't going to be on Zion's back. Not alone. You're gonna, it's going to be Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday as a, as a, as a backcourt. It's going to be, uh, depending on what they do with Julius Randle, it's going to be a lot of other things that are going to determine whether the Pelicans are a playoff team. Not Zion Williamson leading the charge. I guarantee you, whatever happens with the Pelicans, that's not going to be the deal. He's not walking in and grabbing that that franchise by the scruff of the neck and dragging them somewhere. It's just not, that's not going to happen. He doesn't have that kind of game at this point in his career. And I and again, we're doing him a disservice by all of the like over-the-top generational player. He's a generational athlete. That's what he is, Ryan. He's a generational athlete, and and because of his demeanor and his personality, and I don't know, I I've heard mixed things on his on his work ethic, but I'm going to go with the, the the angels and say he's got a really good work ethic. He has a chance to become a generational player, but that's not guaranteed coming in just because he's he's the best athlete coming out of college. No, I I agree, and if you know if you're the Pelicans and and we break this down, Rick. And you got to say, what, what what can they piece around Zion to help him mm. uh, succeed? I, I need a pass for his point guard. And mm. I know Drew Holiday can go score it, but I need someone and he can pass it. But I want to put playmakers around Zion yeah. to where you can catch and shoot. He can catch and finish. He doesn't have to do too much. I don't want him having to, you know, overly handle the basketball. And, it, and it's not that he can't dribble, not that he can't shoot. Those parts of his game just aren't refined. But he can be one of the elite finishers in the league if he's in a position where he can just go rise. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Up on somebody or you know, hit a set shot three. I, I think, man, you, you put him in a really sweet position, dude. Yeah. So Kawhi leaves, and right now I'm hearing Clippers. Clippers in the driver's seat for him. Uh, I, I heard Philadelphia's name for the first time. Uh, both New York teams, although the sense that I get is it might be more Knicks than Nets. I don't know that Sean Marks and the San Antonio connection necessarily works for them in this instance. But you take him out of Toronto. What is Toronto next year? A team with not a lot of options. <laughs> I mean, straight up. That That's why even in Golden State, with, with KD leaving... They don't have another max slot to just go get in. Go get yeah. in. Yeah. And for those who don't know, don't know the CBA, you can go over the cap, but signing your own players. Right. So that's why KD does the one and one. He leaves the options to where he can go, and at the same time, the next time he gets paid, they can go over and they can you know give him that full payday, that super max. So right. uh, th- that's why guys when they they come, they do the short deal, and then they you know team with a player option they opt out and then they uh you know they 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 get the bag pretty much but if you're kd right now i want to make the most money possible i want to stay where i'm at and you know we have kind of unfinished business and dang the shot at three pete 
really just slips through their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of Kawhi, I know the Clippers are the front runner if he goes, but but Rick, I've never seen a player leave his team that he just won a championship with. This well, is an odd scenario, brother. Yeah. This it, is an odd one. It is. It is an odd one. That said, he was traded there. Uh, it's a foreign country. There, he's he's not, you know, he's not a cosmopolitan type guy. The things that make Toronto great, I don't know necessarily appeal to him. I don't know if you saw him on Scott Van Pelt when he was asked about the Toronto the the Raptors. He said they. They have the great base for a foundation, and then he kind of corrected himself and he tried to fix it. But it it was a to me it was a tell. It was a giveaway <laughs> of, of where his of where his mind is right now. That e- even if he, for some reason he sits down and he weighs everything and he says, you know what, I should stay in Toronto. That right now that's not where his mindset is. His mindset isn't I'm attached to the Toronto Raptors. Not when you're referring to them. As they, so let's let's go down the, before we go down down the line of free agents because I don't I don't I do not think the KD is re-upping with Golden State. I just don't. He's he's in New York. He had the surgery surgery done by the Brooklyn Nets GM. I know that he and Kyrie have met since the surgery to continue their discussion about playing together. Kyrie, uh, from what I've been told, KD is not going back. Back west, he's going to spend the summer in New York. He's got a place there. He's not. He's. I've even been told he's moved his stuff to New York. Now that doesn't mean that he can't spend the off season there and then roll back or whenever he's capable of doing something again, going back. But I, I all the tea leaves, particularly the conversation with Kyrie. If he's continuing to talk to Kyrie about where they want to play together, that ain't happening at Golden State. It's not. So that tells me that his mindset as of right now is he's playing in New York for one team or the other. With all that in mind, no no Clay, presumably for the better part of next year, no KD, and no relief. What are the Golden State Warriors in your mind next year? Wide open. I mean, Bob, Bob Myers... It was it was pretty cute. He was the you know GM of the exec of the year, and you know deservedly so. But uh, that title will have to be earned. He is going to have to make some major overhauls. Uh, if I'm him, I'm even contacting the Pelicans and saying maybe can we be a third team in this deal? Uh, they're going to have to be excellent in the draft. Maybe they move up in the draft. Uh, you really? But they don't have assets. Like- what are their assets? I, I was going to say, honestly, Rick, honestly, just being honest with you, Andre Iguodala is their best asset, and you got to talk about maybe doing something with another team that doesn't have assets. Maybe you're looking at Houston. Maybe you're looking at Philly. You're looking at a team that's going for a cha- Maybe you're even looking at Toronto, a team going for a championship and saying, hey, this guy still has some miles left there. I don't think anyone's going to touch Draymond Green with a, with a 10-foot stick unless you're possibly the Lakers. And I've heard that being thrown out, but I, the, the Lakers wouldn't go out and pay Draymond Green. You know, they they wouldn't pay him. So they've got some things they've got to figure out. We Livingston skip- hasn't been, yeah. and 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 sorry to catch you off. Livingston hasn't been looking good. No, so, I think I, Livingston's I mean, going to retire. I think he's going to hang. Bob out. Myers, yeah, Bob Myers. 
you got some work to do, bro. You got some work to do. Yeah. Flat out. Work to do with the covered bear. I mean, I just, I don't know how he, for where the expectations are, like I see them, I, this is what's amazing. I see them as a, I see, I still see them as a playoff team, but I see bottom half. I see them fifth through eighth. And that's if everybody stays healthy. My real concern is you're now talking about putting more weight on Draymond and Steph than you ever, than you ever have, ever have with high, high expectations in a new building, with people paying premium prices, a brand new fan base. This is, I don't like to predict disaster. Like, I don't feel good that my prediction about the Warriors physically breaking down came to fruition. It's not fun to watch <laughs> that. I mean, it wasn't. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard yeah, to watch yeah. that, right? No, but, you're right. No, you're right. But, but that said... Man, I-, I could see next year being a really tough year for the Golden State Warriors. Okay, let it, let me throw this out. Does this seem reminiscent of when the Lakers decided to move forward with Time Warner and the old the old Laker their mm. own Laker network, mm. and then you you had the big signing of Dwight Howard and, mm. and Steve Nash, and they drove the price, and Kobe's there, and Gasol's yeah. there, yeah. And then they laid an absolute egg. Yeah. So listen, I was with BDA at the time, Bill Duffy, mm-hmm. and uh, they knew they're like Steve Nash was done. Like they, they they didn't even check the physical. Like he was done. So the Lakers took him, just knowing you know what hell we're gonna we're just gonna sell the tickets. We're gonna sell it, dude. Game one in the preseason, Steve Nash is on the sidelines. I only I can't even say on the bench, and he's laying on the bench with a hot pack on his back, mm-hmm. laying on his back, you know, instead of sitting. And Dwight Howard you know should have had means. one. You know what that means, bro. Yeah. He's done. And this is preseason, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and Dwight Howard came in. I, I was I spent some time with him. He he shouldn't have been playing. He came in felt feeling the pressure, and as Dwight Howard often has, he succumbed to the pressure. That's why he opted in with the Orlando Magic. They got him in a room and convinced him, hey, you know, give us another year. You don't want to leave your teammates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He succumbed to that. He succumbed to the pressure from the Lakers and the Lake and, and the Lakers fan base. Hey, we just got you. Like, here we go. You're the next great big man. He should not have been playing on that back. He should not have. And it compromised him for the better part of that season. If you remember, he finally got it going a little bit the second half where he was he was what you kind of expected him to be. But the damage done in a multitude of ways because he played on that back way too early. It's, it's yeah, they they were in a world of hurt. The only difference I would say is that the Lakers weren't coming off a five-year run. They hadn't, those guys were what they had accomplished elsewhere and everybody kind of knew they were throwing, throwing something against the wall and hoping it would stick and bring them back to glory. Like this is going to be Steph Curry He's he is going to be under the microscope because he's not going to have a clay next to him. There's not going to be a KD there, and so now everybody's going to be scrutinizing him through the the prism of well, this is a two time MVP. He's supposed to be able to carry a team, and I've said all along he's not that kind of superstar. He's an intangible guy. There's a lot to love to love about him, but he's not a he's not a Michael Kobe, LeBron. 
magic type of guy. He doesn't dominate his position physically. He needs to have the pieces around him. He knows how to utilize them. He's he's a superstar as a scorer, and yet he can do it in a way that doesn't disrupt his team. But but he doesn't have a whole lot around him next year. And him carrying the weight, it's I just don't expect that it's going to be a good look. I uh, I was talking with uh, Jamal Crawford on Twitter yesterday. And I said uh, the Warriors need you. Mm. They gotta go. They gotta go and pick up some scoring. Mm-hmm. They gotta. They gotta get some depth. Uh, but they've got to put some hogs, and they got to put a system. You got to get a team of guys who can score it, and guys who just work their t- a, a bunch of PJ Tuckers. You need to go get a group of goons around Steph Curry, yeah. to where he can do his thing, and you need guys that that hit shots. And if I'm gonna, you know, fill the void of Clay as best you can. It, I, I'm not. Go, I may not get the defense, but I need some scoring. Yeah. So I, I mean, Jamal Crawford, the guy had 50 this year. So I, I'm going to get a number of those guys, and I'm not. I'm not playing around with no disrespect to Jarepko's, the Livingstons. Like we we got to put something around Steph to where, hey, he doesn't. You know, he can just you know kind of be himself, mm. and the rest of you guys just play hard as hell. You know. Celtic style, you know, not this year's Celtics, the Celtics before, and they go get it done. Are we are we seeing the end or a shift when it comes to small ball? Because the Warriors, like the Warriors really perfected it. Everybody kind of caught up with it. But if I was going to point to one thing that resulted in the Raptors winning this, it was their size, bro. It was their length and their size. They... They didn't shoot it particularly well from three-point range, but the Warriors couldn't do anything with them inside. And Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, Pascal Siakam, like they got it done around the rim. And to me, that was the thing that the Warriors simply could not answer. You got to look at this. They got arrogant. You look at guys like JaVale McGee, you tell me they couldn't use them this series? Hmm. The guy who's seven feet tall runs, can switch out on screens, block shots, and, and finishes. I mean, Abaka scored twenty points. He went like seven for seven after we get in game four. That was that was ridiculous. So yeah. uh, they can't be arrogant, and they've got to hold on to their talent. And to answer your question of small ball, yes and no. For one, small ball works when you have Steph and Clay. We have guys that burn you with small ball. It works. I'm not necessarily playing small ball with guys who can't shoot because guess what? I need a rebounder because those shots are going to be coming off. So you mm-hmm. need somebody who can go get it. Hmm. For two, big men are adapting. Big men can out dribble. They can put the ball on the floor. For instance, look at Marcus Saul. Look at Ibaka. Those guys went from mid-range assassins to three-point assassins and guys who can still get busy on the block. And then it's always nice. You have a stud like, Kawhi Leonard. You have a stud like LeBron James. You can play big lineups with LeBron James because he makes up for every deficiency in the middle and he and he makes sure that the pace is good. When I say the pace is good, when LeBron James is cooking, you play at his pace. And at game four, when Kawhi Leonard was lighting things up, Golden State spent more taking, t- taking the ball out the basket than getting rebounds and running in transition. That's how you manage pace. That's how you play big. And no team had been able to do that but teams had has have slowly come around because these big guys are now spacers. Keep in mind, 
let's say the traditional big, right, Rick? Yeah. The guy rebounds, maybe hits a 20-footer, you know, maybe, you know, he's a post-up guy. Those guys start to get in the way, and the lane becomes, becomes either too clogged or too jammed up, and you're limited in your offense. Well, now these guys pop out, and they dribble, they put the ball on the floor. So I don't want to say it's the end of the small ball. I just believe that the skill set of players around the league from one through five, point guard through center, are catching up. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bob Myers, executive of the year. DeMarcus Cousins, this leads me into this this whole subject. Was that a good was that a good signing? Was that a smart signing? Did that pay off for the Warriors? Because I'm gonna tell you, even in the absence of not whoing knowing exactly who they would have got instead, I don't think in the big scheme of things that it paid off. Even at five point eight million, I don't think it paid off. I'm, I'm going to agree with you as much as I love Boogie. And and make no mistake, the guy fought back. He did a lot of things to, to help the Warriors out, but uh, it, it didn't fit. And the notion was that you're really ultimately not going to need him at the end of the day. Well, guess what they needed? They mm-hmm. needed a rotational player. Mm-hmm. They needed a guy who can go out and get busy. They needed the DeMarcus Cousin that you remember out there. And by him uh, not being the same Boogie that we remember once he got back, it was a high-risk, high-reward type of move. It did not pay off. And yeah. he hurt you more on the defensive end, on just the hustle end, being able to move around, and then just during the season not being there. Well, that could have been one, maybe two rotational players in the lineup that they can go after and kind of you know, say, hey, I know you guys are chasing a championship. <laughs> You're chasing a championship. Come, come join us. Come be a part of what's, what's happening here. Uh, and, and they could not make that move by going after Cousins. So – um, would I, would I, if I'm Bob Myers, signed to Marcus Cousins? Yes. Did it pay off? No. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Um, they also, they went cheap on Patrick McCall as well. All right. We're going to have plenty of talk. We're going to have plenty of time to continue our conversation on the, uh, the free agency. That's not going anywhere. So we're going to wrap it on this with the, uh, the post NBA finals edition we are uh, looking at the draft. That's going to be inst- interesting. Anthony Davis, I would expect, is going to be a Laker before the draft comes down. So in the next podcast on Monday, we'll be Will Blackman and I looking at exactly what we know about the free agent picture and who might be the number four, number five, number six pick because there's going to be a lot of movement from what I understand when it comes to the draft. All right, all that in the next podcast. Don't forget to rate the show, screenshot it, and send it to Apuca Friends, and you'll be eligible to win some prizes. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.